0: Welcome back to another episode of the Empirical Preparedness Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Coleman. I'm currently headed back from Missouri, headed home from Missouri. I've been on the road for about 12 hours now. The sun's going down, and I'm hyped up on caffeine. So I figured what better time than now to go ahead and do a little recap of this last week. This whitetail archery public land hunt in Missouri. So first of all to give a little bit of background. I'm fairly new to hunting. I've only been hunting since I got out of the Marine Corps, which is uh, this is my third season third year, third year deer hunting. Uh, I have harvested two deer with a bow two deer with a rifle and so this year or this hunt was specifically an archery hunt and I'm still learning a lot spoiler alert I did not harvest an animal this week but regardless of that situation it was an amazing trip I learned a lot I got the experience and just be immersed in God's beautiful creation and I'm always happy when I'm out in the woods so it was all around a good trip maybe one of my favorite hunting trips so far in the last three years Um, even though I didn't shoot anything it was just a good trip so I figure I'm gonna do a little recap and just discuss some of the, the lessons learned, some of the things I, I need to do better next time, uh, what I learned about the animals and the behavior, and some of the highlights of the trip, of the week, what did I love about the trip, uh, some of the, my encounters with animals, because it definitely wasn't a wasted trip, man. I was out there and I experienced some wildlife up close and personal, and uh, it was pretty neat. Pretty neat. So let's see. I guess I'll start. I'll start with day or the first night as I rolled in. Uh, so I rolled in by myself, and then I'm meet. I was meeting up with three other dudes uh, who are about five and a half hours behind me in schedule. So I first showed up to this block, this public land spot that we had already agreed on going to and checking out first. I got there about midnight and it was loaded with people. Uh, All the campsites were taken up and it didn't really look like, from what I could tell at midnight just driving through, it didn't seem like a spot that I would want to compete with other people for. So I told you guys that and when they showed up about 5.30 that morning, they rolled in to another spot and I stayed there, took a nap in the truck. About five hours later, 5.30 that morning, they called me and said, hey, this spot's good, meet us here. So that's what I did, about a two hour drive that morning, rested up a little bit and then headed down south just a little bit to meet up with those guys that morning. So I'm rolling up to their spot and first got there. it's probably about 8:30, nine o'clock in the morning by the time I got there to them. And on the way there, beautiful, I was getting to watch the sun rise. Um, you know, I was, I was already seeing the doe in the fields and I was just getting amped up, man. Like at this point, Missouri's a beautiful state regardless. Uh, but to be able to watch the sunrise and then see these uh, the deer in the field and knowing that we were gonna get an opportunity on some of these deer, I was just getting stoked. And I made a call and to see exactly where they were set up. And about that time, I was already on public land, about 120 yards into this this uh, cut cornfield, I saw a couple of doe and I told my buddy on the phone and he said, he said, man, hang up, get your bow, go stalk, them. go put a stalk on them first thing this morning, you know, right out the truck, right out the gate. And again, I'm a new hunter, man. I ain't, I ain't stealthy like that learning to be stealthy, but uh, I ain't one of those pull over on the side of the road and kill a deer type of guy up to this point, but I gave it a shot anyway. You know, I didn't have no luck getting on them, but (laughs) it just got me amped up for the rest of the week. Um, So I get to camp and set up my hammock and So I did, a couple of us did a hammock setup all week, which this was my first trip doing this. So some of the other guys had kind of told me how to do it and and what to get by with. And so it's just the hammock, sleeping bag, and under quilt, and that is key, under quilt. And then the um, A-frame tarp to cover the the setup. And man, was it perfect all week. Uh, We had some gnarly storms I'll talk about later. I stayed dry, I stayed warm, um, and I was comfortable. I slept the best I ever had. So the hammock setup's the way to go. other buddy slept in a tent on the ground and ended up getting soaked one night. He started flooding his tent. We had three, four inches of, of water on the ground all around us. So, the hammock's the way to go, especially in the rain. Anyway, um, so, like I say, get that stuff set up. At about 10 o'clock, uh, me and Free decided to roll out to this spot that he'd been scouting on the map. Get there. First things first, I end up bumping a doe, or a couple doe actually, as soon as I stepped in the woods. So I was like eh, might as well keep an eye on this area. Maybe I can set up in a tree and maybe they'll come back. And um, so that's what I did for a couple hours. Sat on this spot and I had good visibility. I liked what I was seeing. I was kind of up on a ridge where um, they could have been coming off of a cut cornfield and then down into a creek bottom. There was some rubs in the creek bottom. and. Um, you know, it just seemed, seemed like a good spot at the time. And it may have been, but I gave it a couple hours and I just wasn't feeling it. It's just one of those situations where I just wasn't quite feeling it. So I packed up and mind you, I got a climbing stand, a climbing tree stand, um, it's not ideal. It is not a mobile setup. These guys now are using these uh, saddles. It's basically a little hoist system. It's like a, uh, you like, repel off a tree and stuff. It's fancy. But I got this old school steel tree stand, climbing stand. You gotta have a perfect tree, and it weighs about 35 pounds. You gotta hump it into the woods. So, that was my first downfall of this trip was, lugging around this tree stand with me and trying to find a decent tree. Because man, am I telling you, there weren't a whole lot of trees to climb. There weren't a whole lot of good trees to climb and that really affected uh, my ability to get on some deer that, that I wanted to get on top of. Anyway, I learned throughout the week a little bit more about that and how to hunt from the ground. So, at this point I packed up my tree stand and i was looking at the map and i was scouting the map and i came up from the the top cornfield down into the bottom and it's super thick a lot of briars and um, just some nasty stuff and then across the creek there was a soybean field that i wanted to get to well this creek first of all it's a dried up wash bed ain't no water in it so i guess it's not really a creek but it's a dried up creek dried up wash and uh, it's about 12 foot face walls on it, covered in briars all over the bank. Anyway, I made it across after some, (laughs) just real getting after it. I wasn't quite enjoying it, but I made it across and get up on this soybean field and I immediately find these scrapes, boy, and I got excited. Uh, First evening hunt, and I'm sitting on top of some scrapes that just felt good to me, you know. But, the issue with the tree stand, man, I could not find trees. There was no trees to climb on the edge of the soybean field. So, what I ended up doing is I kind of scouted the general vicinity, walked the soybean field, and found a little little deadfall spot little brush pile that I decided to sit on and my thinking was this is a long L-shaped soybean field wide section and then the L the the little the little L finger that comes off of it's a narrow strip so I'm sitting on the corner of this field where I can see both directions of this L field and also, I'm about 35-40 yards away from a nice healthy scrape sitting right here uh, licking and branch and you know in this you know fresh touch scrape so I was like alright this will be good if nothing comes up in this scrape at least I'll get a, a view of this entire area and I can come back 530 rolls around 530 in the evening and Boom He pops out of the wood line onto this uh, the narrow narrow section of this field 120 yards down this field I see him pop out and I immediately knew his his rack was tall And I immediately knew he was a buck, you know, sometimes with the younger bucks. You got to get a little binoculars on him just to see I could tell he was a buck, I saw his rack, and I started getting excited, Bo. I put my rangefinder on him 120 yards, and I saw, started counting. Now, in Missouri, they got this law that you gotta have, or, or a buck has to have four points on one side of his rack to be a legal shooter. So, you know, essentially, it's gotta be a eight, maybe a seven, or even my buddy saw what, what may have been a broke, broke off side or a cow horn on one side, which is interesting. So, four on one side and a one on the other. Anyway, had to have four points on at least one side of the rack. And this dude had a tall, narrow eight. So I knew right off the bat he was a shooter. And I watched him come in from 120 yards, and he walked straight towards me, man. And he was—he was moving. He wasn't running, but he was walking steady, right towards me. And uh, and I got there just, oh man, it was a cool experience. My first, probably the biggest buck I've seen in person, other than maybe one other one that I had a glimpse of but didn't get a good view of. But this one was, you know. A good three or four minutes of, of just watching him so he's coming towards me and i'm on the ground trying to get my release hooked up to my bow and get into a position where i can range him and you know draw my bow on him while he's walking towards me and that's the tough part about being on the ground if you're ever hunting on the ground man they they spot anything that moves and then luckily I had good wind so he didn't smell me but being on the ground you got to deal with the wind even more so and they just they'll see you man they'll spot you out of nowhere well he comes up out the last range I had on him was about 46 yards and he ended up taking a few more steps than that And He looked at me man, and I just knew it was over. I knew it was over. I Tried my best to close my eyes There's a little secret. I was told to close your eyes and They won't quite buy if they don't see your eyeballs But he didn't like it we stared at each other for a second He turned around he took about four or five steps And then he turned back and looked at me one more time at this point I technically could have drawn on him probably, but at this point he's 50, 55 yards away, and I just wasn't going to attempt a 55-yard shot on evening one, you know what I mean, especially a deer that's about to run away. So, he caught me, he caught me right there, barehanded, and um, he took off back to the direction that he came. And uh, anyway, awesome experience. First evening. I also was told, let me just say this real quick. I was told, don't shoot the first eight you see. Because there's going to be more. And I also, like, so I had that in my mind. Don't shoot the first eight point you see. Uh, Being on the ground, him walking towards me. I wasn't too concerned. I wasn't too upset about not having a good opportunity to shoot this deer. I just enjoyed the experience of getting him to watch him come in, you know? So, it was just, it was just awesome. And he was such a beautiful deer. So tall, his rack, I mean, I mean, his body was tall too. They're a lot bigger than the East Coast deer. But he just had this real tall, narrow eight point rack and was just a real pretty deer. So that was evening one, and that was one of the highlights. They really set the tone for the rest of the week and just you know continuing to, to stoke me up to get on one of these deer. Um, and then so the following day we had a haul in the woods. I ended up doing about a mile and a half two miles into this into the woods for a, a different spot. Um, we didn't stay in the same spot very often. We moved around a lot, especially early on. We were trying to get on these deer. We were trying to find a spot that we knew there was some big boys and that we wanted to, um, you know, that we could play strategically and, and have the best opportunity at a, at a big deer. So anyway, um... The following day, I was on some doe, um, but that was about it. And then one more. So day three, I went back in there, where all the dough were. You know, a mile and a half, two miles in. And I liked this spot. I really liked the setup, and I felt like I had a tree. Set, uh, I had my tree stand in a tree. Uh, I was watching this this game trail. I had really good wind, and I just knew. That if they were gonna come in there, and if I was gonna have a shot, it was gonna be right off of this main tractor trail, down this game trail, and then into this little oak flat. And there was some rubs in there, they were either gonna get on a hot scent or they were gonna just get in there and eat some acorns. And sure enough, 7.45 in the morning, just after shooting light. Shooting, well, shooting light is seven, seven, you know, seven oh eight or so. So 45 minutes, 40 minutes after shooting light, I see this deer rustling through the branches. And I got ready, man. I was, this is it, day three, I'm getting on this deer, you know, Uh, and he popped out just like I wanted him to, right on that game trail. First view at 44 yards and I knew he was coming closer. So this was absolutely perfect. Put my rangefinder on him what do I know man I see little spiked cow horns off the top of his head and I couldn't have been more disappointed <laughs> so again like I said he's got to have four points on one side so he pops out little young one-year-old deer with these cow horns couldn't shoot him can't legally shoot him probably wouldn't have wanted to anyway but hey I'm a meat hunter Uh, at that point day three I was ready for some meat anyway he come around and he's still walking he's hanging out and he stuck stuck around for probably ten minutes I just had to watch him I had to be still and quiet I was locked on for ten minutes upset and frustrated that he didn't have no horns or he had eight but he had to have two does all right again another experience where I gotta just enjoy enjoy watching this deer just do his thing just hang out and, you know eat some acorns and sniff around he went over to hit a scrape uh, or at least sniffed around I threw some esters out so he's probably just checking things out you know he's a young little buck and um, he probably don't even know what's quite going on yet he just smells something that <laughs> he's supposed to like. But uh, that was about it for that day three. Um, and then things got interesting. Uh, day four, oh yeah. So after this tree stand situation, day four I decided to go into uh, another new spot But I knew there was some sign in there. My other buddy had been around the area previously, and he gave me a couple tips. And I decided to head back in there and see what I could do from the ground. So I left my tree stand at camp, and I decided to hunt from the ground. And, so I'm up on one of these little ridges. I'm, I'm, I'm on this ridge, and I got a view into an alfalfa field and then there's a real steep uh a steep ridge on the other side of this alfalfa field and so i'm on one side and these deer uh, like seven doe pop out on the other side and they're just they're just hanging out on this steep hillside so they're probably eating some acorns and they were just hanging out and they were doing their thing they felt comfortable on that steep hillside I was just hoping, and this is about a sixty. I ranged them at one point, hill to hill. It was uh, I was able to catch about sixty-six yards, and there was some brush in between, so there was absolutely no shot. But I'm watching them, watching them for four or five minutes, and they started moving along this hillside. and It looked like they wanted to get into the alfalfa field, so I thought if I could get away from my spot, basically triangulate them. So as they're walking, they're they're doing a little side hill, side hill movement, down to the alfalfa field. I side hill down to the alfalfa field, catch them in the middle, and I'm able to shoot across the field, 30 yard field, shoot across the field, and take them out. So while they're moving and eating, I'm also moving, all right? Again, I'm on the ground. I got my leafy suit. I got my mask face mask and I'm all like hey I look like a bush all right I look like a daggone bush and so as they have their head down eating acorns I take about two steps they walk a little bit I'm not moving they eat some more acorns I take another two steps and as they kind of may actually got further away from me I end up closing about 40 yards I got about 40 yards of distance I made up on these on these doe, and at this point, I'm 15 yards away from the edge of the field, and they're now on the edge of the field, a little bit down the field, a little bit further. So it was still, at this point, about a 50, 55 yard shot, but I felt good about what I had accomplished up to this point. You know being able to cover some ground like that while they were still there it just hey I'm my skill levels increasing and I felt good about that but unfortunately I had a real bad wind and they caught my wind they didn't see me but they caught my wind it was swirling in this bottom two ridges on either side it was swirling and they caught my wind and man they took off up that hill as soon as they smelled me so that was that they were gone. Uh, I decided to come back that evening. This was morning time. I decided to come back that evening. And this, I, I've learned that that's a bad idea, all right? One of my lessons learned, if you blow deer out, don't go back, just leave them alone, all right? They know you're They're not coming back, they're scared. They got plenty of ground to cover, they can roam. Let them move on, you move on, find them somewhere else. So I wasted an evening, basically, by going back. No, 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 excuse me. I didn't even waste the evening. Let me backtrack a little bit. So the doe didn't come back, but, caveat, I decided to set on this tree on this alfalfa field where there was about because I walked in when it was dark I walked in on this alfalfa field when it was dark I didn't quite get a good glimpse of everything that was going on but as the morning hit I saw the does and I got back on the alfalfa field in the afternoon I started seeing these fresh scrapes and now the, the edge of the field is lined with these fresh scrapes and it got me pumped up man. it got me pumped up and if a buck wants to hit this scrape in the evening just like he did on day one, I'm gonna have an opportunity at it, right? So I'm sitting in this tree. Hey, the setup is there, man. The setup is there. And sure enough, that evening, 6'18", 6'18", this buck comes in, boom, right there. First saw him, 15 yards. 15 yards, man, I got ready, I got my my release hooked up to my bow, and man, I'm staring at this deer, and I'm counting his horns, I'm counting, and I can only count six, there's only three on either side, and let me tell you how disappointed I was to count three horns on one side of his head, when I know he has to have four, so this deer is at 12 yards, perfectly broadside i'm in a tree man i could throw a knife at him and kill him i could jump down and tackle him and rear naked choke him but nope he's only got three horns on one side of his head which means i gotta let him go anyway i I let him walk he continues to walk this alfalfa field now it ain't a long field so I get to watch him I get to watch him walk the entire length of this field. Something happens as he gets toward the edge of this field and he gets, it's probably 80 yards from me at this point. He gets down to the edge of the field. There's no way he has my wind at this point. He looks into the woods and something startled him, something he didn't like. And I at first my initial thought was there's another buck over there about to run him off of his scrapes. And, man, I got excited once again. I thought there was a buck sitting there ready to run him off his scrapes. He took off. That six point took off right back towards me, doing a little trot. He didn't run. He did this little, like, fancy trot, you know. Like he's showing off. He did this little fancy trot right in front of me and stopped 25 yards. And, again, broadside, I'm like, man, is he setting me up? He just teasing me. So... 25 yards broadside, I'm staring at him, and I'm like, if he only had one more horn, you think I can I can make a horn out of Play-Doh and stick it on there and call him legal? I was trying to figure out every which way to get this deer down because <laughs> I wanted to eat, alright? We're on evening of day four, and I ain't shot nothing. But, that is it. He finished his little trot into the woods. He took off, and he just went about his merry way. There never was a bigger bug. I wish there was. I don't know what spooked him. There's been coons out there, and maybe a squirrel or something, but he—he uh, he didn't like something. He got—he got out of there. But I got—I got to have a show for four or five minutes again, and couldn't be too upset about it. At least it wasn't a mistake on my part. Again, I felt like at this point I had some skills. I was learning and developing. Um, You know, I was was developing some skills and I was applying what I had been learning the past two years and over the summer. So that was another cool highlight. Now the next two days is where it really shut down. The weather went haywire, 75 degrees and sunny. Well, if you know anything about deer and the way they move, they don't like it hot. They also, it was windy, 18 miles an hour, sometimes up to 30 mile an hour gust winds. And I'll tell you what, these deer don't move when it's windy, man. They can't hear, they can't smell good enough, and it's hot, they're insulated. These are corn fed fat deer up here in Missouri, and they don't want to be moving around in that type of weather. So. They're bedded down to this tall wheatgrass, man, and there ain't no way we can get on these deer. So we spent two days really, really trying, but it just wasn't right. The weather just wasn't cooperating. Well, that heat, heat settled down. We basically just had to wait, waste two days. I mean, listen, if I was a better hunter, there might have been a chance I could have got on one of these. i'm not saying it's impossible to hunt a deer in hot windy weather but i didn't have the abilities at this point to hunt a deer that's bedded down in tall wheatgrass i just don't know how to do it unless you're throwing a grenade in the middle of the field i'm not shooting a deer with a bow and arrow in eight foot tall wheatgrass so two days down the drain it seemed like and then the storms come in Got some weather, Bo. It was gnarly. 16 hours of torrential downpours and lightning shut shut us down. But let me back up just a little bit. So, the morning that it started raining started off calm but cold. So, I was okay with it. You know, I really felt like there was a potential to really felt like there was a potential for some movement this morning since we had two days of hot and then a cool morning with some rain to follow they've got to be out eating right or before the rain comes these bucks are going to be be chasing a couple of does so i got in a new spot once again made a mistake should not have gone to a new spot this day i should have gone what i knew at this point new spot didn't pan out so I sat through some sprinkles that morning, a little bit of rain off and on, and about 10:30, 30, 11 o'clock, I decided to pack it up. And I decided to make my way back down. It was about four or 500 yards, but I decided to walk into the winds. So I had real good wind. I wasn't blowing deer out. Rainy conditions. And scout back on this area where the alfalfa field was. and and where I knew there was some scrapes and some rubs. And I wanted to get back on there, but from a different angle. Approach it from a different angle and see where these deer are. If they're bedded down nearby, which I expected they were, and they were just moving into this field for a specific reason, or they were crossing this field to get from ridge to ridge, but they were bedded down nearby, and I needed to find out where they were. So... walk down through this beautiful creek bottom and man I just enjoyed the views alright let me tell you when you get to see a wide open creek bottom that's got ridges coming down from every angle you can see for days and you just get to hear the birds chirping the squirrels are digging around in the leaves looking for acorns you might catch a raccoon running through the creek hey that's a good day I love those creek bottoms, man. It's beautiful, it's beautiful. So I enjoyed that for a minute. Literally just took out my phone, took a couple pictures and enjoyed that for a minute. And then I decided to make my way up this ridge and I started seeing this game trail, side hill from the creek bottom, the steep side of this ridge. And because it had been raining, I could tell there was some paw or some um, some hoofs, you know, some some deer tracks that had slipped as they were climbing this hill. So I knew that they walked up here that morning since the rain, and I got even more jazzed up. All right, so I'm amped up going up here, and I'm taking it nice and easy, man. All right, I'm doing what I know to be stealthy in the rain, and I crest this hill. My head peeks up over and I scan this hill and boy I lock eyes dead on 20 yards with this deer and I know it was a deer man and <laughs> hey, listen if you hunt or if you've seen some deer in the middle of the woods they're they're camo they are camoed out and when they stand face to face with you you've got a frontal view of a deer they look like a tree okay they are skinny they blend in. You can't. T- and I'm colorblind, so they blend in even more. Everything looks the same in the woods. Makes it ten times harder. I probably think I'm more color or I think I'm more camouflaged than I am. I'm probably standing out like a sore thumb to these deer, but they're camo to me. But this is what gave it away to me. I'm scanning across, and everything looks right. There's trees, and there's leaves on the ground. But I see these two eyeballs. I see these two eyeballs staring at me. And I knew, man, that this was a deer. And I look above these eyeballs, and I start seeing branches come off of his head. I see eyeballs and branches, and I knew that there was a buck with a rack standing 20 yards in front of me. And I got excited. But I also was a little bit disappointed (laughs) because I knew I made a mistake. The fact that I was face to face with him, the fact that I saw eyeballs meant that he saw me. He knew exactly where I was, and there was no way I was getting away from him. There was no way I was getting an opportunity to draw my bow at this point. I didn't even have an arrow knocked up. My arrow's in my quiver. I'm just taking pictures of a creek bottom, and I crest this ridge, and he's standing there looking at me. So anyway, I got to to look at him for a minute. And it was about a good 20, 30 seconds, I think, that we just kind of stared at each other. We were just looking, man. Who's gonna make the first move, right? Is he gonna move or am I gonna move? What's it gonna be? Because at this point, he still didn't have my wind, okay? He didn't have my wind, he just saw me. And that's not the end of the world for a deer, okay? They're gonna get a little spooked, but the wind is what's gonna scare them off faster than anything. So who's gonna move first? Him or me, boy, sure as heck ain't gonna be me, all right? I ain't moving. Well, he moved. <laughs> um, so he moved, he just didn't like it. All right, 20 seconds I looked out, and I'm telling you, okay, he had at least eight points, and he was wide. He was wider than his ears, at least eight points. And he turned around, and I saw a little side body shot, big bodied deer and he walked off and I saw that rump and I knew that those hindquarters were going to taste good. But unfortunately, I didn't get a taste. He took off and that was the last I seen of him. And it just is what it is. I blow a lot of deer out of the woods and another lesson learned. Um, Movement in the woods is key. I'm learning how to work with the wind a little bit better than last year, but I also have to learn how to be a little more stealthy. And I need to learn patience, I need to learn when to sit still because I can get in there and think that I need to go from A to B and set up, when in reality those deer might be in between A to B, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? In my mind I'm thinking if I can get to B I can see the deer, but those deer don't think that way, those deer are everywhere and they're watching you before you watch them. So another experience, another cool little deal, another, uh, you know, another encounter with a deer, Uh, but just no shot, okay, where does that put us, at some point, either that day, oh, no, Apologize. Like I said, I'm on the road, and I don't know if there's an accident up here or something. I think there's some there's some cop activity, so I just got to pay attention for a quick second. Um, maybe somebody just got pulled over. Apologize. Apologize. So I may have got one or two days mixed up, but it was a day in here where we decided to try to catch them bedded down in this wheatgrass like I was talking about. So knowing kind of the weather, oh yeah it was one of the hot days, so it actually was before the rain, on one of the hot days we said that we were going to approach this from a different angle, instead of catching them in the woods or on the field, on the edge of the fields, we were going to catch them bedded down in the wheatgrass or popping out of this wheatgrass and and basically sit as long as it took so again on this hunt in this particular hunt uh, there wasn't a lot of good options for trees to climb so i sat on the ground again and i get in here man and we're hey every day we are early before light hour hour and a half before sunlight and it gives me a good opportunity to get set up before the day starts So I get in here, and I find this perfect little spot to set up. What I got is a cut cornfield in front of me. I got a row of wheatgrass, or really an entire field of wheatgrass. I got game trails coming in. I got a little watering hole um, to my north, and then to my west, I got another wheatgrass field. So it's bedding, bedding, trails bedding, you know, the whole deal is bedding and food, corn across the way is some soybeans. So this seemed like a good spot to get on some deer if they were going to pop out of this wheat grass and get into this cornfield. And man, sure enough, sure enough, I'm sitting there, and boom boom two deer pop out of this pop out of this uh, wheat field this wheat grass at 40 yards I had my range on him I first saw him put my my range finder on him at 40 yards and I knew this was my opportunity and just like a couple days ago I'm looking through that range finder and I see something that don't look right I see horns but I don't see a bunch of horns I see two both of these deer were cowhorn spikes. Cowhorn deer. And once again, I became disappointed. These little cow horns came right in front of me at 10 yards, both of them. I could have shot either one of my chose at 10 yards from the ground, but I couldn't. I couldn't shoot them, because they weren't legal. They had one too many horns. So anyway, another experience, lesson learned. I did good though. If that was any other deer, it would have been dead. I didn't blow the situation, but, and I picked a good spot. I liked what was going on, you know? But unfortunately they just weren't legal deer. And that seemed like to be the story of the week, was getting on some deer that weren't quite legal. Alright, that last audio cut off for some reason. I had to stop get gas anyway, so um to get back to this this trip for a few more minutes and then I'll kind of wrap this thing up. You know, regardless of regardless of being able to capitalize on an opportunity to harvest a deer this week, I had an amazing trip. I had some awesome encounters. And all of us, everybody that went had their own experience here. One buddy had an on the ground, 10 yard up close impersonal encounter with an estimated 180 inch non-typical. A deer that's only seen on TV. A mythical beast, you know. A deer that legends, like, the stories are made up about. Heart attack moment for this kid, who's a first year archery hunter, encountered an absolutely incredible beast in the woods, chasing a doe. And that's pretty surreal, you know what I mean? So he had his experience. Another buddy of mine was able to harvest a deer and he was absolutely gracious enough <clears throat> to give me a good chunk of that deer. He knows how much I, I appreciate the meat of that animal and respect it. And He's had some opportunities this year to harvest a couple more deer and he, he decided to give me good chunk of his deer way more than i could have asked for so i'm grateful for that i'm not going home empty-handed and this meat that he gave me is absolutely not going to waste i'm going to enjoy every single bit of it i'm even thinking about trying to figure out a way to use the bones or the marrow to be honest with you i want to utilize this animal fully Oh. I had some awesome encounters with some raccoons. Man, these coons out here are cool, all right? (laughs) Listen, I thought they were called trash pandas for a reason. These ain't no trash pandas out here. These corn-fed, public land, wild Roman raccoons are beautiful creatures. And they got these cool little black banded eyes. And they're just, listen, these ain't trash pandas like you see in the neighborhoods. They didn't even come to our camp and touch our trash. We left trash out and they didn't even touch it so these ain't trash pandas these are cool little creatures that I had some up close and personal encounters with multiple at five to eight yards on the ground uh, one that I had just stare at me in a tree we were locked eyes for five minutes one of those situations hey who's gonna blink first and uh, again it wasn't me <laughs> so I had a good time. The evening sky was beautiful. So many shooting stars. You know, Missouri doesn't have a lot of light pollution. You get away from St. Louis, and there's not, it's pretty, uh, it's backwoods out there. There's not a lot going on, so there's not a lot of light pollution. And just the sky was incredible. I just couldn't have asked for you know better scenery, better views, the woods were amazing. Although I couldn't imagine, I was thinking about this, I couldn't imagine getting in there in the summer. There's, it's thick in there, the, the briars, the undergrowth, the young growth, you know, saplings. If you were in there in the summer, you probably couldn't get, you couldn't walk around. You have to let things die out before you can walk around. So, it's some thick woods. Um, but anyway, all around it was a good trip. I can't complain one bit. Um, lessons learned, I, I'll, I'll do a couple quick lessons learned. Uh, as far as the hunting goes, you know, I learned a lot about the terrain and, and the deer movement in general. This was my first experience during a rut. So to kind of the beginnings of the rut, they say next week's gonna really pop off. But I was able to kind of see the beginnings of the rut here, and you know, just learned a little bit more about deer movement, deer bedding, um, the way they're moving from bedding to a food source, uh, or how the how the bucks are kind of hitting the scrapes. for for that hot dough Um, so that was interesting just experiencing that in general Uh, I learned a little bit more about the movement in the woods my own personal like hunting from the ground being able to stalk and move quietly my own concealment being able to use um, you know using different terrain to my advantage uh, covering my scent with some cedar leaves rubbing some cedar leaves on my body so that uh, you know those animals don't necessarily smell my body odor but they're smelling that cedar that they know about uh, You know, using estrus to my benefit uh, which I had never used before so sometimes just buying a simple product from a store can can aid your abilities learning how to grunt the first year I've grunted learned how to grunt so I learned a lot in terms of you know the hunting um, I learned a little bit in terms of my gear you know we had a rainy day and I stayed dry and warm I had some good gear that uh, I was able to utilize perfectly the hammock setup was so comfortable and I would recommend it to anybody that hammock is perfect the under quilt is a game changer. I slept amazing and I felt refreshed. Uh, my diet, you know, I'm, I'm working on this carnivore diet and I had to slack a little bit. I ate some cliff bars, all right? I ate a few cliff bars in the woods, but I tried to, to prepare a lot of hamburger while I was out there. Eat a hamburger in the woods if I could eating a lot of eggs. I still was on track for four eggs a day even while I was out there and that was awesome. So I had an energy level, man. No alcohol, um, no substances, no nicotine. And this is the first year that I've been sober like that in the woods. And let me tell you, man, it's a game changer, all right? The energy levels are high and I realize I don't need nothing to sustain me, all right? I just need some calories and some water, and I'm good to go. A little salt. Give me some salt and some water, and I'm sustained, all right? And and that feels good to know that I don't need nothing else. Because in the years past, man, hey, give it to me. I'm taking it. I need a stimulant. Give me a stimulant. Um, although I start the day with coffee regardless. Hey, listen, I need some caffeine, okay? Or I want the caffeine. Whether I need it or not, is beside the point I want some coffee in the morning to get me going. But I had consistent energy levels. I slept good. I stayed on track. I didn't waver too far from a routine. Uh, And that just kept my mood up, I'll be honest with you. Just because you're getting in the woods don't mean you got to eat junk. Like I, I see these guys, they go to the store and they buy all the processed packaged foods they can that has some calories, whether it's, you know, like whatever kind of bar you can find, some chips you can find, the crackers, anything that you can open a package and eat out of a package. Screw that. Make you four burgers the night before and take you four burgers in the woods. And those four burgers and cheese are gonna satisfy you for the entirety of the day and give you some daggone energy. Alright? You wanna you eat a burger, drink some coffee, and I promise you, you got the protein and the fats to sustain you for an extended period of time. That's what I found, and it worked for me. So yeah. It was good. It was a good trip. Um, we're at home now. I got about a three hour drive, three hours left. And I'll be ready to get back in the gym, man. I, I want to run. I want to lift some weights. And I want to get my diet back on point. Incorporate some of this, this venison into my diet for the next couple of weeks. And yeah, man, hit it hard training's coming and I'm gonna get ready I'm gonna get mentally prepared for the next year Uh, I'm thinking about doing a new bow setup. I got a cheap bow right now I'm really thinking about doing making a couple of upgrades if I can and, and planning for next year to be to be even more prepared and that's what this is about hey I learned from an experience I'm going to train so that I can be prepared right Is that not what empirical preparedness is all about? Listen, this don't stop. Every day of my life is this process of taking an experience, applying what I've learned, or learning. I have to learn something first. There has to be a lesson learned. And if I don't think about these things that I've learned, there's nothing to improve upon. There's nothing to train. Well, I learn. I train. I apply. I'm better prepared. Or tomorrow, or next year, right? So I guess that's it for now. Um, again, just an amazing trip, an amazing opportunity, and I'm grateful for grateful for it all. So, with that said, out.